2: Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show, talk radio to thrive by, powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody, welcome. It's so great to have you on the show. Wow. Welcome. And for those of you that have been listening, welcome back. Um, Great, great show lined up for you today. I'm so thrilled to have Dr. Jamie turned off joining us here today. Why? Because we're going to talk about something that's very, very powerful, powerful beyond words that uh, I could even begin to think about saying. And, you know, thank you for all of you out there uh, that have so supported this show and have asked so much for the topic we're about to talk about right now. I'm so thrilled to be talking with her. You know, Love Never Dies, How to Reconnect and Make Peace with the Deceased. That's her book, but she's much more than that. Many of you listen to her radio show. Uh, she's also known as Dr. Love. And so today in the this show, this, this amazing relationship therapist, best-selling author, media personality, radio show host, a TV presence beyond the beyond is going to talk with us about her true story, an amazing true story, about a spiritual connection, about something that is so deeply uh, touching and powerful that many of you, I know you're going to relate to it because I know that for many of us that have had people move on, we have had an experience of that and of them. You know, it's thrilling to have her on the show in many, many ways because For all of us, you know, there's something that we long to hear about, something that we long to know, you know, something that we look for, especially in the experience we have with people that we love. And so what happens when the people we love, we lose, you know, what is it about that? What are the stories that we tell ourselves, you know, about their spirit, what it is, or maybe what it isn't? And so today, I'm honored and thrilled to have her join me here today, and we're going to tell you all about how you can find out more about her, how you can listen to her radio show, and much more. But, you know, we're also here to talk with her about what it is we get to learn from the experiences of love in our life. Dr. Jamie turned off everybody, aka Dr. Love. Welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so glad to be with you. Good to have you. What have you been up to? <laughs> uh, <laughs> mostly, I'm floating in the in the spirit realm. <laughs> yeah. You know, let's talk about that for a minute, if we could, because you know, I always love to to talk with people about the ins and outs, the long and winding road, then the sometimes not so long and winding road. You know, the question really, though, is, you know, here you and I are, and I know for myself. I'm not quite sure how I got here. If I use my left brain to figure it out, I'm not going to have any really great answer. But for you, I mean, the life that you live now, and especially the book that you've written, I don't don't know, was that ever in any kind of vision that you thought you had for yourself in your life?
1: All right. Well, let me tell you, because speaking of visions, I had a vision. I had a premonition of the man that I was going to marry one day. From the time I was a young girl, I actually <clears throat> saw him fully <clears throat> fleshed out. And so I just said to myself, you know what, I'm going to wait until he appears. And he did appear on mm-hmm. the first day of my freshman year at Vassar College. I'd been shut out of all the intro sociology classes, and I asked the secretary what I could do to get into intro sociology, and she said, go speak to the chairman of the department, emile Jeanpin." and ask him if he can find a seat for you in one of the closed classes. So I walked into his office, and I had the first and only out-of-body experience of my life. I felt my soul shooting at high speed through a tunnel to the end of my life, and then it shot back into my body, and I got this message, remember every aspect of this meeting, he's going to be everything to you one day. (laughs) That's quite an amazing thing for your first day at, at college. Now, I forgot about the whole experience, but soon after, I found out that for most of his life, Jean had been one of the most famous Jesuit priests in history. He taught at the Vatican, he founded a movement called Liberation Theology, designed to fight Church oppression from within, and he actually launched to international fame when he publicly opposed the Pope and the Catholic Church as they were trying to block the legalization of divorce. And he was a radical feminist priest, he didn't want to see women trapped in marriages where they were being abused, so he fought on the grounds of religious freedom. The Church should butt out of the private sector. Well, his fight won. The divorce bill, he changed the course of Italian history, and soon after, the Pope granted him the dispensation of his vows, and he left the Jesuit order in the priesthood and was recruited by Vassar. Now, four years after our fated meeting, I needed help with the statistical portion of my thesis, and I had heard that Jean had also been a statistician, having founded the Vatican's first and only social research center. So even though he wasn't my advisor, I asked him if he would help me, and he happily gave me his time. And within a couple of weeks, we knew that despite our different cultures, backgrounds, religions, we were perfectly compatible. We were twins separated at birth, just soulmates. Now, I have to say, I was raised by two devout Jewish atheists. The only religion my parents practiced was religiously hating each other. (laughs) They taught me not to believe in God or the afterlife. I never read the Bible. I never went to synagogue or church. And John and I didn't discuss religion for the 27 years that we ended up being together. And we were inseparable. Now, in the last year of his life... We both privately began having premonitions he was going to die of an accident. We just didn't know when or where. So we went to Italy on our summer vacation, and as we're sitting on the beach, a bee swoops down and stings his left hand at the exact location of Christ's stigmata. And I watched my beloved suffocate to death in front of my eyes. This was so... Such, I mean, there's no way to describe the trauma. I go back to the hotel room. I'm lying in the bed. I'm shaking. I'm trembling. I'm crying. I'm hysterical. And the next thing I know, I feel that man's hand stroke the entire length of my spine. I sit bolt upright. I look over my shoulder because I know what I felt. Well, I don't see anybody. But he was there, and he has been with me ever since. And his astonishing and ongoing manifestation often in front of witnesses, have just proven to me we don't die, and therefore our relationships aren't meant to end in death. And so I've created a groundbreaking new transdimensional grief therapy method that totally diverges from the Western approach, which is grieve, let go, and move on, which only leaves the bereaved at a greater loss. Instead, my method shows you how to say hello, not goodbye, without the assistance of a medium, a channeler, or a psychic. And then there's one more thing. As a shrink, I know millions of people harbor unfinished business with the dead. And again, Western grief therapy offers us no way of making peace with the deceased. So my new dialoguing with the departed technique offers the first vehicle in history for enabling you to not only reconnect, but also make peace with the deceased.
2: Well, you know, part of this is really looking at and sharing this story with people, that can literally embrace and get an understanding of what's possible. You know, yeah. when we lose someone, don't we, Dr. Doctor Jamie, we lose someone, we're all of a sudden in this place of they're gone forever. They will never be with us. You know, what could I have done differently? How could I have done this? How could I have done that? And we and go on and on true, and on. And true, it turns out, because this is the thing, Dr. Pat, I'm getting calls. You know,
1: I do a radio show also on Hay House Network mm-hmm. every Tuesday at noon Eastern. People are calling me from all over the world, weeping in gratitude, because my story has proven to them that their loved ones are here with them, too. Now, may I share with you a little bit about some sure. of my stories? Yeah. Yeah. So, Because Love Never Dies, I break it into three parts. The first part is the memoir, where I pick up from the night that Jean left his body and he stroked my spine. So let me give you a few examples that prove to me Jean is still here, as are all of our listeners, loved ones, still here with them. So this one happened the first morning I was back from Italy. I hadn't slept at all. I go down to the kitchen And I hear Jean saying to me, Jamie, open the kitchen door. I want to show you something. So I open the door, and what do I see? Sitting on the back step is a chipmunk frozen in a trance. Now, that little chipmunk is not acting like a chipmunk would. He's not moving, his eyes look glazed over, and he doesn't run away. And the next thing I know, I see this little creature mimicking my husband's bodily. Death. He's ripping at his face the way Jean was ripping at the oxygen mask because the air wasn't getting into his lungs. And the chipmunk is doing this. And for 20 minutes, I'm watching him with his little hand ripping at his face, and I'm crying watching this. And after about 20 minutes of this torment, I see the little creature visibly cough up a wonk of mucus, and he's in peace. And I realized in this moment my husband was speaking to me through this little animal. I've since dubbed animals, domestic and wild, open vessels because spirit often speaks to us through these open vessels he was showing me through this open vessel that he was fine so that was just the beginning right then a couple days later i have to fax his death certificate and I have sent many multi-page pa- faxes throughout the day, no problem. But when it goes, when it comes to having to fax his death certificate, the cover letter faxes without a hitch, but then the death certificate hangs up and the fax won't move. I try with the obit. Again, cover letter faxes without a hitch. The obit won't fax. I try 20 times. It's not working. The next day, I take all the papers to my lawyer's office. I don't say a word. And I just ask the secretary, would you mind faxing these for me? I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. It's like 20 minutes. And finally, after 20 minutes, all the secretaries come out from the back, and they're all crying. They said, Jamie, we tried over and over again these last 20 minutes. Every time the cover letter faxed without a hitch, but the death certificate and the obit would not fax, he's trying to tell you he's not gone. So now I go home, and again I have to fax the death certificate to another outlet. And again, my machine hangs up, so I say to him out loud, Jean, I think you keep doing this because you're trying to make me remember you're not gone. If I promise to try to remember, will you let this fax go through in its entirety? I feel a tidal wave of love pour through me, and I know it was his acknowledgement. He heard me, and he's saying yes. I cancel the fax. I reissue it. It goes through in its entirety. So at this point, I'm starting to realize something extraordinary is happening because now I'm walking around and strangers are coming up to me. They never saw me, never saw my husband, don't know I'm widowed. And they just walk up to me and say, your husband says, tell our story. And then they walk on. So now around this time, I felt the need to pray to him on behalf of my friend Emily, who he had never met, never seen. She had never met him or seen him not even seeing a picture. So I prayed to him, please help my friend Emily find love. At that moment, I feel again that tidal wave of love pouring into me, and I could feel he heard me and he's acknowledging me. I look at the clock on my car dashboard, 4.58. That night, Emily calls me. She says, Jamie, you will not believe what happened. That's what happened. She says, at 4.58 exactly, I fell into a trance. She said, your husband appeared to me, she describes him to a T. She says, he told me to find love, follow the gray stones to the church in your neighborhood. Now, by having her repeat my prayer to him, he was proving to me he'd heard my prayer. So he was validating his presence, and he was also blessing Emily by sending her to this church. Now, a week later, I go to my professional group, She's a member in the group. She tells the story. Now, another member, Mitch Wood, who had been a seminarian, said, I would like to know the name of the church he sent you to. And she says the name was Claremont Church. And (laughs) Mitch says, Claremont Church? That's New York City's only liberation theology seminary. So he was putting his stamp on this entire manifestation because he founded the liberation theology (laughs) movement. So now, here's my last example. I'm crying in the closet. It was my hobby in the early days of my grief. And I'm thinking, I have to call my friend Ann. No, don't bother her. It's the middle of her workday. I have to call her. And I'm in my mind, hemming and hawing. After about a half hour of this, my phone rings. I drag myself out of the closet. I go get the phone. It's Ann. She says, Jamie, did you call me? I said, Anne, no, I was crying in the closet. I was thinking of calling you. She says, but Jamie, my phone rang, and your name and number appeared on the caller ID. Well, this blew our minds. Jean managed to manipulate the electronics to call Anne and let her know she needed to call me. Now, a year later, I have a really bad cough. I can't breathe. I think I'm going to suffocate the way Jean did. And I plead with him in this moment, please do that caller ID phone trick and do it with Donna, just so I know you're here with me now. Two seconds later, my phone rings. It's Donna. She says, Jamie, did you call? I said, no, Donna. And then I tell her I asked Jean to do the phone caller ID trick. She says, well, my phone rang and your name and number appeared on my caller ID. All right. So now the pièce de résistance I go to my writer's group, and I have been telling them all Jean's manifestations involving witnesses. And Gabe Davis is the head of the group, and he's a devout Jewish atheist. And he says to me, You know, I'd like to see that caller ID trick repeated, and this time I'd like to see whether your phone shows a record of having dialed out, even though you're not using it. Well, I forgot that he asked for this. A month later, I go to the writers' group, and now I'm driving behind Gabe and his wife, Robin. We're due to have dinner. And suddenly, I feel again that tidal wave of love. It's 4.58. I note this on the clock. I get to the restaurant. I step out of my car. Gabe rushes up to me. He says, Jamie, you won't believe what happened. What happened, Gabe? He says, at 4.58, my cell phone rang. He said, I looked at the caller ID, and your name and number appeared on the caller ID. I picked up the phone, and a man's voice said, Is Jamie there? Is Jamie there? He said the voice extended the word there like he had an accent. Well, Jean was French, and he did extend the word there like this, there. He said it wasn't a real call. The voice just faded away. The call never clicked off. He said, Go get your phone and see if it dialed me. I dig into the bottom of my purse. I hadn't used the phone all day. Sure enough, at 4.58, it had dialed Gabe. So what is the point of all of these over-the-top manifestations? Well, Jean asked me to tell our story. So these manifestations are for you and for everybody listening, because as he told me after he left his body, Jamie, let our love shine like a torch that lights the path for others. So our story is meant to to let you know and to let everybody listening know that your loved ones are here with you too, and they're just waiting for you to open the door of your heart to them.
2: Wow, what a, what a phenomenal story. You know I, know, I can only imagine that, you know, a story, a book, uh, a conversation, and, uh, you know, traveling the world. You know, there had to be some people that learned so much from it and others who couldn't wrap their minds around it. You know, what is it that makes it so difficult for us to, number one, believe that there's an afterlife? Pat, this is the
1: perfect question to ask me at this point. It's as if you're living inside my own mind. Because, (laughs) I mean, that is so brilliant because that's where I take you next. In part two of Love Never Dies, I talk about all the false beliefs and religious teachings that prevent many people from reconnecting and i discussed how it's even possible to communicate with those in spirit so let me give you the first obstacle yeah, that oh, that really blocks most people and that is the wrong belief that we're not supposed to stay in connection with loved ones in spirit now how did i discover that this is a patently wrong belief it was my first night back from italy and i heard Jean speaking to me and he was quoting something i didn't recognize so the next day I went to Jean's priest, whom I'd never met, because I never went to church, and I said, Jean's been talking to me, and he's quoting something. Now, at this point, the priest raised his brow in obvious skepticism, and it was like he was thinking, yo, this babe has really rounded the bend. But then, when I told him what Jean was saying, the priest blanched. He crossed himself, and he said, Dear God, Jamie, at first I didn't believe that Jean was speaking to you, but I do now. And then he told me that I was quoting an obscure biblical passage from the communion of saints. Like I knew, I never read the Bible. I never went to church. And as I said, Jean and I didn't discuss religion. Now, it took me a year to understand why Jean chose to quote that and only that passage to me. Now, remember, he was a religious pioneer in life, and he continues to be in the afterlife. The communion of saints says that our loved ones in spirit are one with, or in communion with God and the saints. And since we're supposed to stay in communion and communication with God and the saints, this means we are supposed to stay in communion and communication with our loved ones in spirit, because they are one with God and the saints. So the point is, what we've been told about the afterlife is dead wrong, if you'll pardon my pun. (laughs) Jean is saying we are not meant to live in an emotional wasteland separated from those we love, waiting until we die and enter heaven. Because, as Jean told me, heaven is a state, not a place. Heaven is all around us. Heaven is here and now. And this means we are supposed to reconnect with loved ones in spirit now.
2: Wow. You know, I want to do this. For those of you out there, if you've got questions, uh, I love this. Ask Dr. Love. I want to give you a shout to, out to do that. 1-800-930-2819. one 930 2819 You know, one of the things, too, I think it's important for us to touch upon is, you know, the difference between, you know, not losing that love, meaning love never dies, and complete attachment to the dead. And I think this is the question that comes up for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, you know, a place that that folks go, which is a place of grieving, a place of longing, I mean, a place of emptiness, I can go on and on. And so is there a distinction between continuing to be open to that love, that love that never dies, and an attachment to those that have moved on?
1: Okay, so this is a really great question, because this is another one of those misconceptions surrounding the afterlife and (laughs) afterlife communication. A lot of people will say, you know, if you remain connected to those in spirit, you can't Mm. move on with your life. Well, this is the exact opposite, because I can attest to this from all the people who have written to me all over the world and call in on the Hay House show. When you reconnect with your loved ones in spirit, you transform your grief to joy. And, in fact, you are more able to fully enter your life. Because when we pine after people who have left and we don't reconnect, our grief just never ends. We're not in our lives. We're not moving on. We're drowning in grief. But when we reconnect, our hearts are filled with so much joy that we are able to fully enter the moment Because we're not so grieving. Now, here's another one that's really big. People will say, well, how can you love another person if you still keep your your heart connected to those in spirit, right? That's
2: a big one.
1: People say that. Now, that would be like saying to a mother, you know you had a child, and you love that first child. Well, you can't have any more. (laughs) Our hearts are so made for love. We have plenty of room in our hearts to love all those who walk the earth and all those who walk in spirit. That's
2: what we're here for, to love. And, you know, we hear this not only about the people that move on, but, you know, you were talking about, you know, our animal friends. You know, we hear this all the time. Oh, my gosh, how can I get another dog? You know, I I, I love my dog so much. You know, I'll never love a dog the way I love that dog. How the heck do we even know that? How do we even know that? You know what I'm trying to say? I mean, it's as if, Dr. Jamie, that we believe that the spirits, the people that have moved on, are holding us back that they don't want us to love. Do you see what it's I'm saying? quite the opposite, quite the opposite, because they're all about helping us
1: to love more fully. So when we open our hearts to them, our hearts are open to everyone, everyone. yes. Yeah. Now let's they open want... up
2: the phone lines here, 1-800-930-2819. Let folks know about what happens when we open up these phone lines, just like you referred to on your radio show. Yes, well, what happens is, basically what I'm doing, well, I
1: guess I'm going to bring you into, well, we have some time, I, I, I can tell you that, you know, when I began the show, I just first began by telling my story. Yeah. And then little by little, uh, I helped people overcome their own blocks, and yeah. now we're at a place on Hay House Radio where we're into what I call Part 3 of Love Never Dies, where I actually show you how to reconnect. Do you want to get to that already, how you can reconnect on your own? you want to talk a little bit more about how spirit communication is even possible?
2: We're going to do all of the above because we're listening to a show that is all about love. Love Mm -hmm. never dies. Mm -hmm. Dr. Jamie turned off joining me here today. We're going to take a short break, everyone. When we come back, we're going to do all of the above. You know... How is reconnecting with our loved ones, how is that important in our own personal growth, our evolution? And what happens when we have this notion that hanging on to that emptiness is what we're supposed to do? Somewhere along the way, we may have picked up a book that says grieving should be an eternal journey. Stay tuned, everybody. Ask Dr. Love one eight hundred nine three zero two eight one nine. We're gonna take a short break when we come back. The third part of the book. Fasten your seat belts, everyone. We'll be right back with the show.
3: The Sheer Alchemy with Leslie Fontaine on TransformationTalkRadio.com and get ready to stir up your passions, identify your blocks, and shift into an entirely new existence. Leslie Fontaine is a transformation catalyst and clairvoyant who uses her intuitive and energetic gifts to catapult listeners into living the life they were born to live. Whether it's shifting from scarcity to abundance, from emotional pain into joy, or from illness into health, Leslie will help you step into the true essence and power of all that you are with the help of the Ascended Masters and Archangels. You will not be the same. Visit TransformationTalkRadio.com for show dates and times and LeslieFontaine.com
0: to say yes
3: to explosive abundance.
4: Dr. Love's Quickies.
1: Mary's about ready to give love the shove, because no matter what she tries, guys don't know that she's alive. To turn guys on, she needs to turn on those green lights, nonverbal cues that say, over here. Most guys won't approach unless they're cleared for landing. So ladies, to kickstart your love life, turn on those green lights and flash your pearly whites. I'm Dr. Jamie Turndorf of AskDrLove.com. How would you like increased health and vitality?
4: A retreat to open your senses and heal your energy. Join Lynn Brown and Wendy Wolf for amazing Astra allies. April 30th through May 2nd in the beautiful Methow Valley. Open to more of your astral experiences. Learn intentional dreaming and receive astral body healings in this serene setting. This retreat is almost full. To register now or learn more, call 206-931-7356 today.
2: Oh, nice. Benny. He's a man. He's so (laughs) the (laughs) man. I love my Benny. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. It's so great. Uh, I love my Taylor, too. In case Taylor's hanging, honey, I love you. You're good, too. I love Brian. Brian, love you, too. Um, You know, and it's like I've said before to everybody, if you want to find out more about us, go to TransformationTalkRadio.com. You can go to AskDrLove.com for Dr. Jamie turned off, of course, lots of information um, uh, about everything that she's doing. Uh, for us, it's Twitter, the Dr. Pat Show, Facebook, the Dr. Pat Show. I don't know any of the other social media things. Uh, Dr. Jamie, what are your, some of your social media things you want to pop out there for well, people? Well, let's see. On Twitter, I got 140,000 followers, and it's at AskDrLove. Nice. Yeah. All right. Facebook, same. Ask Dr. Love. Beautiful. So, you know, before we went to break, um, you know, one of the things we were talking about is, okay, here we are now. You know, I'm loving, loving, loving. You, you know, what is it that I want to know about my connection to my loved one? You know, what should I say? What should I do? How do I do it? Okay. And well, let me this say is one really thing. the basis. Mm-hmm. Right before we took the break, you, mm-hmm. you said something about, you know, that we, should, we could keep
1: grieving forever. And yeah. I actually want people to know this is not a method on keeping grieving forever. My <laughs> method shows you how to transform your grief to joy, because what you're recognizing is death is an illusion. There's a very thin veil between the realm where we are and the realm where our loved ones are, and the veil is thinner than you can ever imagine. They're standing right here, so we drop the grief, and we just reconnect It's not about grieving. It's about reconnecting and continuing your relationship. Okay? I love it. Yeah. I'm ready. Now, I want to talk a little bit about how spirit communication is even possible. Because a lot of people think, oh, well, Jamie, you're a medium, you're a psychic, you're a... I want to demystify this right now. Because what we're talking about here is nothing more than energetic communication. And we energetically communicate all the time. We're all born with this innate ability. Think about when you're parked at a light. You look over at the driver in the neighboring car. Doesn't that driver always look back at you? Why? He senses the energetic frequency of your gaze. That's energetic communication. Twins know when the other is in trouble, even when they live on opposite ends of the world. Energetic communication. A mother senses when a baby is in trouble. Energetic communication. And in fact, many prominent figures throughout history, from Socrates to Helen Keller, have reported having personal contact with spirits. Even Thomas Edison said in Scientific American that it's reasonable to conclude that those who have left this earth would like to communicate with those they've left here. And he said that it was possible to construct an apparatus that would be so delicate that if there are personalities in another existence or sphere who want to get in touch with us, that apparatus is going to give us a better opportunity. And he was actually working on this when he left his body in 1931. And Albert Einstein, in his introduction to Upton Sinclair's book on telepathy called Mental Radio, he asked science to take this phenomenon seriously. Even Sigmund Freud wrote in 1921, if I had my life to live over again, I should devote myself to psychical research rather than psychoanalysis. And Carl Jung, the Swiss psychoanalyst and founder of analytical psychology, wrote extensively on the subject. Now, why? Why is it? that we don't reconnect. Well, here's another big reason why we don't. We've been told it's not possible. Now, let me illustrate how I discovered this point. I went back to see my husband's priest, and I told him about my ongoing experiences with Jean. And the priest said to me, Jamie, I want to forewarn you. Once Jean is in heaven, you won't hear from him anymore. What? The cell towers on earth don't reach heaven. <laughs> there are no cell towers on heaven. I mean, it's just these earthly conceptions are just dead wrong. So this thing that the priest said was bugging me all day. In the evening, I make the circle for my group. I run a group in my home office, and everybody is late except a new member named Ashley. Ashley doesn't know me, doesn't know my husband, doesn't know anything. Next thing I know, the door is closed to my group room when I hear ding, ding. That's the sound my front door makes when the burglar alarm registers that it's open. Now I hear very loud pounding footsteps, and the footsteps seem to stop in my waiting room behind the closed door. I say to her, gee, I think somebody got his time wrong, not realizing I run a group now. Now I hear the pounding footsteps going in the opposite direction and the front door ding, ding again. So I jump up to go from my office through the waiting room to the front door. Now in the time it took me to get to the front door, no one could have walked down my really long driveway to my parking area, which is very far away. I would have seen the person walking and I would have seen the car parked. I open the front door, there is nobody walking, there is no parked car. I come back and I say to Ashley, there was nobody there. And Ashley said to me, It was a spirit. Now that was Jean's answer to the priest statement, once I'm in heaven, you won't hear from me anymore. <laughs> It's pretty funny, right? Okay, so now, part three. Yeah. Part three, love never dies. How can you establish your own connection with loved ones in spirit without a channeler, without a medium, or without a psychic? Because, as I said, we're all born with this innate ability to communicate with spirit, and communicating with spirit is nothing more than learning how to tune your brain to what I call the spirit channel. Okay? So Jean showed me how to do this, and in Love Never Dies, I show you what Jean showed me. So the first chapter in Part 3 of Love Never Dies is, is how to create a state of receptivity. Because Jean said, Jamie, the noise of the day drowns me out. Anytime you want to hear me, come to the bed and be still and quiet. So in this chapter, I show you how to create pockets of peace. I show you how to sit in silence, turn off the TV and the music. I show you how to find the peaceful practice that's right for you, yoga, tai chi, qigong. I also show you how to breathe, because spirit is born on the breath. I also help you surrender to all your emotional states, but not get too upset. And this is a very important distinction, because especially in the early days of grief, it's very easy to get washed overboard by grief, and intense emotions block our ability to send and receive send and receive energetic signals. Think about the analogy of a tunnel. You're driving in a tunnel. You've got a cell phone. You're receiving a message, but you don't perceive it because you're in this tunnel. It's the same with intense emotions. When we're in the dark tunnel of grief, we are unable to perceive all the signals that are being sent to us. So I show you in this section of Love Never Dies how to get in touch with your feelings, but not let them wash you overboard. I also show you how to use hypnagogic or twilight states which is the state just before you fall asleep or just when you wake up and we're more open to spirit i also show you how to use nature to help you reconnect and last but not least i give you some really fun exercises for opening up all your five senses because remember spirit beings are pure energy and so they're able to energetically send signals to all of our senses so the more our sensory receiver is turned on the easier it is for you to perceive the signs that are being sent your way all the time.
2: You know, one of the things, too, is that, you know, this is really the place where people say, you know, I'm not exactly sure how, how long I have to do it, how awake I need to be. You know, mm-hmm. what if they don't want to talk to me? What if mm-hmm. I want to talk to them? You know the questions. A million reasons why, uh, you know, we're here, Dr. Jamie, a million reasons why, you know, I've tried it, I just can't do it. That must mean they don't love me anymore.
1: Ah, yes. And another thing I hear a lot is, and I've heard this from tens and tens of thousands of people, they say, my loved ones aren't sending me any signs. So the the next chapter in Love Never Dies, Part 3, is how to recognize the signs. Because once I lay out my own examples of all the various signs of spirit presence in my life, in no time everybody says to me, Oh, well, that happened, and so did that, and so did this. Because, again, freed from the human vessel, your loved ones are able to influence the material world in infinite ways. Their signs are endless, odd sounds, animals behaving oddly like the chipmunk, strange sensations, drafts temperature changes, chills, goose flesh, symbolic communications, butterflies, and here's one, manifesting coins that were minted on the year that was significant to you. For example, this year, on the anniversary week of Jean's bodily departure, I told my patient, Kyla, you know, this week especially, every year, Jean will drop me a lot of coins that were minted on the year he left his body. At that moment, Kyla blinks, and she says, Oh, my gosh, Jamie, I almost forgot. See the cowboy boots I'm wearing? She said, they were off my feet in the middle of my bedroom earlier this week when I saw a coin falling out of thin air and landing in one of my boots. And she said, I got the message it was meant for you, so I never took it out. She says, let me give it to you now. At this moment, I hear Jean saying to me, you'll see, it was minted on the year I left my body. So I go get my glasses. She hands me the coin. Sure enough, it was minted the year he left his body. <laughs> so <laughs> the point is, becoming aware of the signs is often sufficient to, become, to begin the process of reconnecting. But now, here's where I'm so excited, because Love Never Dies takes spirit communication to an entirely new place. The CEO of Hay House said to me, Jamie, we've never seen anything like what you're doing here, because I show you now how you can dialogue back and forth with the departed to reconnect, to obtain guidance, and even to heal unfinished business and make peace if needed. Now, I want, I want everybody listening to know spirits dialogue with us in various ways. So in addition to communicating with us through dreams, which we all know about, and mind-melding, where they actually put a thought in your mind, they also communicate with us using signs. Now, signs are what I call a static form of communication, where they, like, drop a sign on us and we just observe it. But we can also engage in a back-and-forth communication with the help of these signs. Now, may I give you an example of the difference between what I call static signs and a back-and-forth communication? let me ask you a question.
2: Let me ask you a question. I think this may play right into it. And by the way, Dr. Jamie and I did not rehearse this. I just want to tell everybody out there, (laughs) this is not, we did not plan this. Okay, (laughs) I had a very important decision. That, that came to me over the weekend that I had to make. Last night when I made the decision uh, on something I needed to do, which was going to affect a number of people, right? Uh-huh. I went to bed with it. I went up. Here's what happened. I'm thinking about the decision, thinking about it doesn't feel right. I walk out of the house, and I find a penny on the ground. Uh-huh. Why does anybody care about that? Here's why. Linda's mom was like my mom. You know, she mm-hmm. took so care of me most of my life and passed away a couple of years ago. And it mm-hmm. was gut-wrenching for Linda and for me. But Joan always talked about pennies. And since her passing, I see pennies. I walked out of my house, mm-hmm. and I found a penny. And she never believed in pennies that were tails up. And the penny was tails up. Mm-hmm. And now, now I, may, I changed my decision. What do you think of that? I know, because of what I told you. Right. But mm-hmm. people don't put that stuff together like that. And I have to tell you, Dr. Jamie, now look, I changed my decision and it was the right change to make. And, you know, was that, June, was that Joan talking with me? I absolutely believe it was. I believe that is how she communicates with me. And can I tell you why? Because when I first met her in 1973, I met her. One of the first things she says to me is, I don't want you to keep your head down. You need to walk with your head up. But when I walk, I still walk with my head down. So, of course, she would put a penny at my feet, don't you think? Sure. Sure. So, how Absolutely. does that tie into what you're saying? Or not? Well,
1: <clears throat> I love the examples that you share because it really confirms what I'm saying. Now, if I, let, me, let me give you yeah. an example so everybody yeah. understands what I mean, uh, because that was a sign. Now I want to show you how you can actually have a back-and-forth communication nice. using sign. So here's, an, here's the difference between a static sign and a back-and-forth communication using sign. So this year it was the anniversary week of John's bodily death, mm-hmm. and I went to my chiropractor, and Teresa, the secretary, was at the reception desk. We were alone in the office. And I started to talk about Love Never Dies, And I instantly felt, I instantly smelled gardenias. Now, I did not say a word. I smelled it. That's a sign. Teresa says to me, Jamie, do you smell gardenias? Now, so he put the same sign in her senses and had her smell it, too. So that's very powerful when it's, you know, reinforced in this way through another person. I said, Teresa, that's the scent of sanctity, and John's giving us both a sign that he's here with us. Now, the next day, I saw a patient who needed to reconnect with her sister in spirit. I told her the story about the scent of gardenias, and at that moment, I heard Jean speaking to me, saying, but I wish I could give you a bouquet of roses. Now, he was dialoguing with me by inducing that thought in my head. <clears throat> the patient abruptly sat up, and she said to me, Jamie, do you smell roses? Now, in that beautifully elegant manifestation, He put the thought and the scent in her mind so that he could facilitate a back-and-forth dialogue between him and me, because he was saying, you heard me right, Jamie. I said I wanted to give you roses, and I made her smell roses to prove that you heard me right. Now, so he let me know that I heard him correctly, and he also bolstered her confidence in her ability to hear spirit so that she could reconnect with her sister. So he used her as a human open vessel to dialogue with me through her. Now, I want to give you another example of how they dialogue with us using human open vessels. Again, an open vessel being someone who is willing to be used in the service of love. My friend Anne was set to take me to dinner. Right before she arrived at my house, I said aloud to him, Jean, it feels like you're coming home to me those are the words I use, each time she has me to dinner because she allows you to speak through her. Two seconds later, she opens the front door and she says, Honey, I'm home. <laughs> she claps a hand over her mouth because she said, Oh, what a rude joke. I said, No, that wasn't a rude joke. Jean was communicating and dialoguing with me through you. He was answering me back, saying, I heard what you said about it feeling like I'm coming home to you, and I had Anne confirm that I heard it. Now we're out to dinner. Anne wouldn't cry if her kid was hit by a bus. Next thing I know, she gets that glazed chipmunk expression, and I see tears forming in her eyes. And then she says, you look so beautiful tonight. I wish I had a camera. Well, Jean used to say those words to me when we were alone at a restaurant. Nobody has ever heard it. So he was dialoguing with me, using Anne as an open vessel to say his words to me. Now, here's something that happened a couple weeks ago for Mm -hmm. Valentine's, and this one is a really good example of how our loved ones dialogue with us through human open vessels and earthly props, which are electronic devices. It's very easy for them to come through electronic devices because they're pure energy. So I did the coast-to-coast radio interview, and Love Never Dies became an overnight bestseller. It sold out on Amazon. Wow. I got an email that night from a man named J.C. Gold, the cosmic artist, and he said to me that Jean began bombarding him with messages for me, and it was it blew his mind. The guy doesn't speak French or Italian, and he's writing things to me. He's saying things on the phone in French and Italian. He says, "I'm a hillbilly. I don't know no Italian." <laughs> well, then on Valentine's Day. He writes me, and he says, you will not believe what happened. His hands were in his lap. He wasn't even touching the computer. When he said, Jean said to him, send Jamie the photograph of the peach rose. Well, remember I said that Jean used to give me roses every week. Well, in fact, they were peach-colored roses. Now, the guy says to me, J.C. says, that with his hands in his lap, nowhere near the computer, Jean opens a menu on his computer screen, his wife." J.C.'s wife is a professional photographer, and Jean opens up the menu of all of her photos, and then Jean opens a photo of a peach rose. And then he opens the caption, the name of the the photo, and it's called Peaches and Cream. Now, the night before, J.C. had written to me and said, Jean wants you to know your time is now. And I wrote to J.C., Jean always told me the cream rises to the top. So can you believe this? He had him send me this picture. The peaches and cream rose. So wow. now, <laughs> this was so, but I get stuff like this every day. The point is, they will dialogue with us to guide us, to support us, to help us fulfill our emotional destiny, our spiritual lessons. But now, what if, what if we need to finish some unfinished business? What if yeah, we have Yeah, Let's talk un-
2: about that. Okay. Let's talk about that.
1: Because millions of us have unfinished business. And the traditional party line is, if they've left their bodies, you're SOL. As one of my patients said when I explained to him, you have a better shot once they leave their bodies of working it out. He said, I wish my mother would hurry up and die so we can work this out already. So so what we do in Love Never Dies Part 3 is I show you my meditation for making contact. Then I show you how to dialogue back and forth. In writing, where you speak aloud, you write your words, you write what you hear, or you use a tape recorder. And again, often you have to wait until they've left their bodies in order to work it out because in spirit form, they're more evolved and they see how they've screwed up. Now, how did I learn this? The first week after Jean left his body, I took the car in for repair, Debbie, didn't know me because Jean did the car thing. I introduced myself, and I say, Jean just left his body. She says, I'm a widow myself. With that, her husband starts beating down my door to get a message to her. He says, tell her to stop making the same mistake that I did with our son because now she's creating the same power struggle I did. I say this to her, and she starts to cry, and she says, it's true. But the most important part of the message to me was that the husband had to leave his body in order to realize how he messed up. But what I also discovered is they actually need our help to help them evolve spiritually. How did I figure this out? It was Good Friday, and Jean sent me to see a woman named Lady, the bird lady. She tried to help us save our bird, and we couldn't. I walk in her door, and there's a Gouldian finch in a cage. And she says to me, that bird is going to be dead by nightfall. It hasn't eaten in two days. I ask, can I help the bird? She says, okay, if you want to try. So I go over to the cage. I press my cheek to the bars, and I start to talk to the bird. Now, normally a bird would freak. This bird did not freak. Now I'm energetically communicating, but I'm speaking aloud so Lainey can hear it. I say, go down to your seed bowl, and I want you to eat. The bird instantly obeys. He starts scarfing up seeds like a little mini vacuum. Now he's got lots of energy. At that moment, I'm aware of a spirit presence. It's Lainey's mother. I don't know who's in spirit, who isn't, but her mother says, I'm sorry, I'm, I was such a weakling, I didn't protect you from him. And Lainey confirms her mother used to say, I'm a weakling and I didn't protect you. Now wow. at this moment, I look back at the bird. The bird is looking really messed up and sick. And I'm aware that another spirit presence is bothering the bird. It's Lainey's father in spirit. I tell the bird, go back to eating, don't worry. He does, and I turn to Lainey, and I say to her, "Um, your father has a message for you. And the long and short of it is, the message of the father was, I'm sorry I sexually molested you, and I am begging you to confront me. I know you're scared of me, but I need you to confront me, because I can't evolve spiritually unless you do, and you need to confront me in order for you to grow, grow past this abuse. So we talked a lot with him. And she was not so much the scared, battered little girl anymore. So that is one of the things that is so vital to know. They need us, and we need them in order to make peace. But now here's the neatest part of all, and this is what Love Never Dies shows you. What's our purpose on Earth? We all know it's to perfect our ability to love ourselves and others. I mean, I say this life is our love lab. But we can't love others if we don't love ourselves first. I'm living proof of this challenge. How do you love yourself when you were raised in a crazy, abusive family? I was beaten physically. I was beaten verbally. And my problem was I continued to hear my parents' mean voices putting me down constantly. And even though Jean was so loving to me, it didn't turn their voices off. Now, after he left his body, I went to my professional group, And I said, I don't know what to do. I can't get their voices to go away. And everybody in the group said, oh, just yell louder. Tell them to shut the F up. Well, that did not work. So I go home, and Jean appears to me in a visitation. He is the embodiment of love. He takes my face in his hands, Dr. Pat. He turns my face toward him in the light, and he says, listen, listen, listen. And he was telling me, let my love enter you. And here was the magic. Even his earthly love for me couldn't enter me, but now, freed from the vessel of his body, his love for me entered me unimpeded and became my own self-love. So reconnecting with our loved ones in spirit is our fast track to self-love. And then, once we're filled to overflowing with love, we can share that love with the world. And that's what we're here for. And that's what Love Never Dies is
2: all about. Wow, what a powerful show. Thank you so much for... For joining me here today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, we've got about a minute left. Tell folks the best way to find out more about you, getting a copy of your book, and also your radio shows. Okay, so, best thing, come to Ask Dr. Love
1: or DrLove, drlove.com, and you'll see everything on my homepage. You'll see the um, Talk, Transformation Talk radio show uh, widget and show info. You'll find out all about my Hay House radio show which is called Love Never Dies. Now, when you sign up for my free newsletter, I'm offering you the free uh, sample of Love Never Dies, the preface and the intro, and a lot of people are doing that just because they can't wait to get the book, you know, when they order it on Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com or wherever. So you sign up for the newsletter and you'll get started, and then by the time you've read that, the book will arrive. (laughs) So that's pretty much it
2: awesome awesome thank you thank you thank you thank you so much for a great great show wow and by the way you can yeah lots more coming from dr love here i want to thank everybody out there for tuning us in and turning us on what an amazing audience you guys are you are the best on the planet remember that uh you know life is life but you can make it beautiful abundant and fully rich with love We'll see you next time
4: can be I to swim.
3: Leslie Fontaine is a transformation catalyst and clairvoyant who uses her intuitive and energetic gifts to catapult listeners into living the life they were born to live. Whether it's shifting from scarcity to abundance, from emotional pain into joy, or from illness into health, Leslie will help you step into the true essence and power of all that you are with the help of the Ascended Masters and Archangels. You will not be the same. Visit TransformationTalkRadio.com for show days and times and LeslieFontaine.com to say yes to Explosive
0: Abundance.
4: Dr. Love's Quickies.
1: Mary's about ready to give love the shove, because no matter what she tries, guys don't know that she's alive. To turn guys on, she needs to turn on those green lights, nonverbal cues that say, over here. Most guys won't approach unless they're cleared for landing. So ladies, to kickstart your love life, turn on those green lights and flash your pearly whites. I'm Dr. Jamie Turndorf of AskDoctorLove.com.
4: How would you like increased health and vitality? A retreat to open your senses and heal your energy. Join Lynn Brown and Wendy Wolf for amazing Astra Allies, April 30th through May 2nd, in the beautiful Methau Valley. Open to more of your astral experiences. Learn intentional dreaming and receive astral body healings in this serene setting. This retreat is almost full. To register now or learn more, call 206 931 7356 today.
3: My dream is to end homelessness.
4: My passion is living a green life.
0: My dream is to end poverty.
4: My passion is volunteering.
0: My passion is making a difference. My dream is to cure Lyme disease.
4: My passion is rebuilding communities.
0: My passion is helping those in need.
4: My passion is caring for the elderly. My dream is to find a cure for cancer.
0: My dream is to leave a better world for my children. We all have that special passion, that lifelong dream that drives us to live our lives with meaning and to create a better world. No matter what drives you, we can all make an impact. Dr. Pat Basilli is helping others make their dreams come true so we can all help make our world a better world.
4: To learn more about how Dr. Pat is building a community of sharing hope, strength, funds, knowledge, and information, visit abetterworldcrowdfunding.com today. That's abetterworldcrowdfunding.com.